Very excited to be with you this evening and speak on the topic of worry and anxiety. I think that worry and anxiety is a problem that is very common to man. It's something that everybody struggles with on some level, something that everybody experiences. I think we like to distract ourselves, keep ourselves busy. I feel like this worry really creeps up at odd times when we're laying there in bed and we can't sleep. We can't think about the activities that we have going on because we're just crushed down by all these fears. And the Bible has a lot to say about worry. I think this will be a very instructive passage for us this evening. I want to begin with a a story. A few weeks ago, uh, there was a a lady that was over at our home. And uh, she began to relate some of her worries and anxieties very difficult family situation. Her parents uh, both died in a a homicide, suicide. That caused some very very traumatic things for her family. A lot of her close friends had serious traumas and hurts, suicides as well. Lots of stress. One of the things that kept this individual going was a close relationship. And after two years, that relationship started to crumble. And that was what this individual was looking to for security and peace, not Jesus. And when that one pillar of hope began to crumble, she began to ask herself, where do I turn? How can I handle the stress that is beating down upon me? Worry, fear, anxiety, something we all face. What does God's word have to say? In the uh, 16th and 17th centuries, there was a famous political and philosophical figure from Italy named Nicolai Machiavelli. He asked this question, is it better to be loved or feared? Is it better to be loved or feared? He believed that you could secure the loyalty of your subjects by striking fear into their hearts. And I believe many kings and rulers throughout history have thought this, found it very effective. If the people are anxious about their lives, if they're anxious about where their food is coming from and where they're going to get their next meal, if they're worried about threats and and wars, maybe, just maybe, they'll be more willing to do the king's bidding so they can get the food they need from the king's storehouses. Anxiety keeps the people in their place. Fear keeps the monarchy firm. And when we come to the first book of our New Testament, the book of Matthew, we find that Matthew portrays Jesus as our long-awaited king. And one of the stark differences between Jesus and many rulers throughout history is that Jesus does not secure the loyalty of his subjects with a rod of iron. He does not drive fear into their hearts. Rather, Jesus desires to free us from fear, to free us from the captivity and bondage of worry. He says as much in Matthew 6, verse 25. You have it there in front of you. 
do not worry. You could translate it this way. Stop it. Don't do it. Stop stressing over finances. Stop stressing over relationships. Relationships are a big one, aren't they? John mentioned this a little bit ago in his faith story. All the tensions that come with with wanting to reconnect with your family. We have a little bit of this in our, our family. On my wife's side, her grandma died a few years ago. When she died, the greed of money really became apparent. And here's this lovely family that loves each other outwardly while things are going well. And when the inheritance is up for grabs, it destroys people. And this cohesive family unit let greed into their hearts and it just ripped them apart. They're still in the middle of a lawsuit trying to settle. They had to go to the courts. When we are anxious... We can allow so many other sins to pour and to flood into our lives. When we are anxious about finances, that can give rise to covetousness, to greed, to hoarding, to stealing. When we're anxious about succeeding at some task, that can make us irritable, it can make us abrupt. When we have anxiety and we worry about relationships, that can make us withdrawn, it can make us indifferent, uncaring. So if anxiety can be rooted out of our lives, surely there are a lot of of second-order effects that we will never have to experience. The question is, how do we stop this anxiety? Jesus commands it, don't worry, but how? You're driving down the the highway of life and you see this big old stop sign on the side of the road. That's good and well, thank you. But how do I do it? How do I stop this car that's flying down the road? It's a simple question. How do we combat the anxiety that creeps into our lives? Here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about materialism, just to back up a little bit. And he states in verse 24 that no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. And this attempt, this vain attempt, really, to serve two masters can bring an enormous tension upon us that results in anxiety. The feeling that we are pulled many directions simultaneously. And as king, Jesus demands the the complete loyalty of his subjects, of everyone under his kingship. And when we elevate our problems and our stresses and our worries above Jesus, our king, we are idolaters. We are worshiping our problems. 
We're not worshiping Jesus. We're not worshiping Christ. And so if we are ever going to worship God and have victory over anxiety, we have to first let Jesus Christ be our King, our only Lord, our only Savior, our only Master. And I have noticed, at least in America, that a lot of people try and make some happy truce between the two. Right? Maybe they'll only go to church on Easter and Christmas. The rest of the year, they live their life the way they want. Or maybe if they're a little bit more spiritual, they'll go to church every week. But that's the extent of their faith, going to church on Sunday. The rest of the week, they live just like the world, indulge in the practices of the world. No distinguishing regenerative power of Jesus Christ to be seen in their lives. But they show up for church. They know how to play that game. This is so against what God says. We cannot have two masters. And in in just in case this is not clear to you, if you don't quite understand, Jesus is going to really argue this case. He's going to expand and, and, and identify the, the root cause of our anxiety and our worries and fears. And he's going to do so by walking us through five rhetorical questions. We read them this morning, but I want to bring your attention, or this evening, I want to bring your attention to it again. Because those five rhetorical questions really serve as, as the outline for this passage First question is this in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Here's the first question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You could ask the question this way. What is the essence of of life. What is life really about? Isn't life more than the materials? Isn't life more than being happy? Isn't, is, is there more to life than, than this physical health? What is the essence of life? There's a really rich guy, Malcolm Forbes. He said this, He who dies with the most toys wins. Well, he died, and he left all his toys. So we need an answer. And you notice, by the way, that Jesus asks this question, that he expects an answer, so we must start here. The question is this, isn't life more than material? Isn't life more than stuff? Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment, we are going to stand before God and give account of ourselves to him. Or Mark 8.36, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what? Lose his soul. What if you gain all the riches and wealth of this world? And in the process, give up what really matters most. 
your soul before God Almighty. We need an answer. Isn't life more than stuff? Jesus asks. I think if you're honest, you'll agree. <laughs> yes, my life consists of more than just the material. And if you're like me, the human uh, temptation here is to kind of weasel your way out of th- th- these prodding questions that Jesus asks. And we might throw back some rebuttal. Yes, I agree that my life is more than just material, but it must not count for very much in God's sight. And as if Jesus anticipates this type of fleshly reaction, he brings the second question a little bit closer to home about why we struggle with worry and anxiety. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's that question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Does your life have more value than birds? I want you to think about birds for a second. Birds are not responsible for productivity. They don't, they don't store up their food into barns. And yet they are fed. Birds are scavengers. And each time a bird opens up its beak to eat a berry or a mosquito or a nut or whatever birds eat, it is a gift of God. And if God values those birds so much to feed them, do you think that God values you? If God feeds the birds, do you think he'll feed you? Does he value you? You know, I think that Jesus is targeting this self-defeating attitude that's always comparing itself to others. I know a lot of people that, that think that their lives have no value. They live in this dream world that if, if I was doing this type of occupation, my life would have some meaning. Or if I could get a part of this cause or this charity, I could find some purpose. Or maybe if I marry this person, my life will have some significance. Maybe if I was in the ministry or a pastor or a missionary in a far land, then my life would have some type of value and we're always comparing ourselves against the next person. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't compare yourself against people. Compare yourself against the birds. Does your life have value compared to the birds? There are thousands of species of birds And Jesus here explains their existence in terms of just one thing. Your heavenly Father. He is the sole reason for the preservation of the life of birds. It is not survival of the fittest. It is not adaptation. It is God Almighty taking care of them. Yes, Yes, Jesus, my life is more valuable than the birds, but the birds are going to die. 
And so am I. So, so shouldn't I try and live my life for as long as possible, really, really get the most pleasure out of it that I possibly can? And again, as if Jesus anticipates, he brings the third question a little bit closer to home. Look here. Verse 27. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We think we can. We go on all these crazy diets. We take our vitamins. We make sure we walk and exercise. We try and take care of our bodies and do all these things. And we think that with all of these efforts, we can extend our lives. And this is, a, this is a unique thing because this is where our human responsibility to take care of our lives comes smack to God's sovereignty because the, the healthiest of people encounter freak accidents all the time. We are not guaranteed one breath past what God gives us. We can be doing all the right things, but if God decides it's our time to go, then it is our time to go. God is in complete control, completely sovereign over every footstep that we make. So why are we walking around with so much anxiety and so much worry about increasing our days when it is God who gives us life? When it is God who gives us breath? Which of you, by worrying, can increase your length of days? Who can do it? No one can. No one can do it. My life will not be extended by all my worry, by all my anxiety. And so if life is not about living long, what about living a life that's full of stuff? Clothes and materials and again, Jesus anticipates this in verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about clothes? I don't think that Jesus is talking just about our existence anymore. I, I believe that this is really the, the glory or pleasure of our existence, the, the means to live a comfortable life. We may know that God will provide for us. But yet, how often do we fall prey to consuming ourselves with more and, and external things and, and better comforts? Maybe we wish we had a better car or we had a better house or a better job to give us more security. Or maybe we find ourselves just really hemmed in and trapped in this situation in life and, and we wish that we had some way out. So Christ gives us this fourth question. Why are you taking thought? Why are you so concerned about the external things? Why are you so concerned? And when Jesus Christ asks us this question, he does so in terms of verse 29 and verse 30. And God is comparing the glory of Solomon with the beauty of flowers that clothe the grass. Verse 29, or backing up to verse 28. See how the flowers of the field grow? 
They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon is a man who is proverbial in world history for having the means to provide lavishly for himself. He had all the comforts and luxuries of life. If he were alive today, he'd have the nicest car in the biggest mansion, multiple cars, multiple yachts, be able to take a trip anywhere he pleases. He had everything, all of the niceties that life can afford. And Christ takes Solomon in all of his glory and compares him, not against another man, not even against birds, but against grass. How does Solomon stack up against the grass? And I think to really understand this passage, you have to think of the context here because it's not like you know, where we're from in America or here, where you have grass growing around. This is a desert climate. And Jesus compares this to the, these beautiful lilies that, that clothe the grass of the field. How does Solomon stack up against the grass? The grass is transient. It is here today, tomorrow. It is, it is thrown into the oven we read that in 29. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 30. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is thrown to the fire. Here's that last question. Will he not much more clothe you? Will he not much more clothe you? And here Christ touches the reason why we have worry. You wonder why you struggle with worry? Why all these huge fears crushed down upon you? Because of your little faith. Verse 30, you of little faith. Don't think that you're alone in your worries and anxieties. I promise you you're not. King David in the Old Testament was a man after God's own heart. He struggled with worry. His own son Absalom sought to kill him. You talk about family problems. And he says in Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, not if, but when, when the storms of life rage around me and these fears billow up and crush me, I will trust in God. That was his heart reaction. When the fears come, my heart response is going to be trust. He had a faith that sustained him through the storms of life. Do you have that type of faith to be your bedrock foundation to weather you through those storms? It is so dishonoring to God to worry because it shows that we do not trust in him. 
And if we are ever going to have victory over our worry and our anxiety, we must not only embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and King, we must, like David, trust God through every circumstance of life. When David was afraid, he put his trust in God. When we experience those crushing fears, where do you turn? Where do you turn? I'm a chaplain in the uh, National Guard in Arizona, the Army National Guard. And I can tell you that when people really struggle with fear and worry and doubts and just all this confusion, they turn to so many things to escape their pain. Drugs, drunkenness, other debaucheries, anything they can do to get their mind off the hurt. But if we take God seriously, where are we going to turn when the anxieties come? When we're crushed by the fear of this world, I'm reminded of the flipping jailer in Acts 16.30. Fearing for his own life, asks, what must I do to be saved? Believe, trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we start to take Christ seriously, how do we answer these questions? How much money do you need to have saved up in the bank in order to feel security and happiness? What kind of job are you going to have to hold to feel like everything's going to be okay? What does your family situation need to look like in order you to feel like, I can be happy now? If we take Jesus seriously, the answer to these questions is, is none of these things. We need none of these things. What do we need? We need Jesus Christ. We need God Almighty, our King. And so the key to combating this anxiety is none other than a, a firm faith and trust and Jesus Christ to supply our every need. And it is here that, that Jesus gives us one of the most treasured verses in Scripture, one that I have on a little placard in my office. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Seek God, trust in God, and he promises that he will give us everything that we need. First Peter tells it everything that pertains to life and godliness. Cast all your fears and anxieties before the feet of Jesus. So as we close, I invite you, if you are struggling with worry and fears, and you just don't know where to turn, look to Jesus. Give God your fear. Lay your heart bare before the cross. 
Let these wonderful words of promise flood over you. He has a wonderful, wonderful promise and victory for you. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our King. Lord, let us not be tied to this world. Let our hearts not be consumed with the affairs of men, the political climates and the the thought of wars and physical securities and comforts. Let us be citizens of heaven. Let us lay up our treasures in heaven. Lord, you are our king. And this evening, I pray that we would not elevate our problems and our worries and our fears above your holy name. Lord, let us not be guilty of this idolatry, but let Christ reign supreme in our hearts, the central throne. Lord, we do all of these things. We worship you. We pray. We, we study your word together. We give our lives to you so that you might be high and lifted up. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.